Welcome to the Beef Watch Podcast. I'm Aaron Berger, a Nebraska Extension educator. For today's Beef Watch Podcast, we're going to discuss an article from the September issue of the Beef Watch newsletter titled, Will You Capitalize on Increasing Cow Value? To get a producer's perspective on this, I'm joined today by Logan Pribino, who's part of the Wineglass Ranch located near Imperial, Nebraska. Thanks for joining me today. Thanks, Aaron. Appreciate you having me on. Logan, before we dive into today's topic, tell us a little more about yourself, your background, and your current role there at the Wineglass Ranch. Sure. Well, I'm a fifth-generation operator there at Wineglass Ranch in southwest Nebraska, currently in business with my wife, uh, and my dad is still uh, involved in some of the day-to-day, but he's still the landowner and, and cow owner of the operation, and my wife and I lease the, the land and cattle from from my parents and some other extended relatives. So as we look at current cattle market conditions today, I think we've seen a dramatic increase in cow value, cow prices over the last year, 18 months, and kind of an interesting situation now, just looking at interest rates and also cow value. And then also as we look at historically, what typically happens with cow value, we typically see these cycles where cattle prices go up when we have a low inventory, uh, cow prices peak, people start to build numbers, and then we see prices go back down. In light of that historic pattern, how are you thinking about current cattle in your operation right now, thinking about the cow herd, and and what are you thinking about with that as we go into the current part of the cattle cycle we're in right now? Sure. Well, what we'd like to do, and we have done this for 20 or 30 years with you know limited success, I should say, timing markets is, is incredibly difficult. Um, but what we're currently uh, doing is growing our cow herd uh, for to offer most of them for sale uh, in the coming year or two. Uh, right now, it'd be about March 2025 is what we're thinking, but we're we try to be be flexible with that. So we we did sell down our cow herd uh, in 20 uh, to no 2006. Missed it, you know. So that was kind of when the cattle cycle was supposed to hit, but it didn't. You know, it, it the drought caused it to be 2014. So it's something we've done and something that we put our present ourselves in a position to do again. So we're, we're, we're principally cow calf and we will sell cows sometime around 2025 and then uh, go back into stalkers on a, on a bigger scale to fill the void of the, the cow herd. So you're really adjusting your cow numbers somewhat based on what's going on with the cattle cycle, the class of cattle you're running based on cattle prices, recognizing that historically we've seen these prices go up and down and trying to take advantages of that situation when prices are high. Yeah, that's exactly right. You know, when, when you can buy a calf for $700, we try to produce very few of them and buy as many as we can. And we were able to buy heifer calves for $700 here about four, four years ago. And, you know, no, no one in the state of Nebraska, virtually no one that is accounting for all fair market value costs really, really can produce a, you know, a calf for $700. Certainly not now. And, and it wasn't true then either, in, in my opinion. So as you think about your strategy related to this, how do you think about your cow herd? And I know for some people are saying, well, how do you make that kind of adjustment? You build a cow herd, then you liquidate it, then you buy stockers, how do you think about that? What are the things that drive decisions for you with that? Well, Aaron, I'll tell you, it is difficult. Um, I've been, you know, I've been through two of those cycles now with my father. But fortunately, you know, I, I have his insight and and support, you know, in doing it. 
So that really helps. I didn't have to go to him or grandpa and say, Hey, you know, we're going to sell half of your pride and joy. You know, it's, it, it's something that we've done kind of had the playbook for, uh, but it, it is difficult, you know, uh, jumping in and out of different segments can be difficult. We generally have two pretty good managers that work work at Wineglass. One of them is typically a cow boss. The other one's typically a stalker manager. And that that really helps. You know, right now our stalker manager, uh, you know, he is a he is a cow boss. And and after several years of being a stalker manager, he's kind of learning the trade. But uh, it's difficult. But, you know, long term, like the economics of it, it, it seems to be a good play to have in your playbook. One of the things that's gotten my attention recently, and I'd like you to comment on, is just the tax implications or the tax opportunities of liquidating a home-raised cow herd where you're paying capital gains rather than ordinary income. How does that fit into, as you think about opportunities with this? That's a It's a big part of why we employ this strategy. So when you sell a, a home-raised bread cow, it's, it's a uh, capital gains tax, which is depending on your tax rate, is a fraction, um, significantly less than half of what your ordinary income tax would be. Like, so if you were to sell like a stalker, it's taxed as as ordinary income. And oftentimes, there are drought designations for for cow liquidation where you can put that money into a you know a ten thirty one exchange to purchase you know something else down the road. So the tap the tax implications of this are 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 a big part of you know, what we're trying to do here and the bigger picture, it just puts more dollars in your pocket versus, you know, Uncle Sam's. For someone who might be thinking about this as a possible opportunity, what are some things you would encourage them to think through and make sure they understand before they made that jump? Oh, good. I appreciate you asking that, you know, so someone listening to this could be like, oh, well, this guy's talking about growing your cow herd. I'm going to go do that tomorrow or, or next year. And you have to be positioning yourself years in advance. So, I mean, we started growing our cow herd in 2018, 2019 is when we really started to ramp it up, you know, going out and, and trying to build your cow herd in, in a period like we're about to enter can result in, you know, some significant losses. And I, I have friends and um, employees and former employees that kind of did that on the ramp up and it, you know, it had, did not end well for them. So it's, you need to be thinking about this in terms of a, a decade play and not a you know one or two year turn the way that we do it. Uh, I, I know there's intelligent people that can kind of turn cows a little bit quicker than we can, but we, we like to go about it very slowly and wisely. So really back in 2018, 2019, you were buying in heifer calves, then breeding those to the genetic you want, retaining heifers and building the cow herd that way? Yeah. So we were exposing those purchased heifers from select ranches, uh, exposing them to home-raised bulls. So they produced, um, you know, heifer calves that that would fit in our in our cow herd. So when we go to sell our cow herd, it'll be, you know, wine glass cattle. And to do that, you have to be, you know, ahead of the the curve on it. And I'll tell you, when we were retaining heifers in, you know, 18 and 19, it looked like we were pretty silly, but, um, you know, knock on wood, it might it might be the right might have been the right thing to do. You never know until you, you know, the, the fat lady things basically. So it, it appears that it might be a good thing, but you know, the, the world is full of surprises. What are you doing with heifer calves born this next year? Thinking about 2024, 2025, how do the heifers that are coming in the operation night now, what do you do with those? So those, those will be offered for sale. So they'll be all home race. We've got a, we got a large cow herd right now and you know, we'll, we'll do an age dispersion. So 
bred heifers through six-year-olds, we will completely unwind from here in, in, around 2025. So uh, these animals for, for sale, they're single irons and, you know, just want to try to keep as many of them as in the herd as we can to, to have the most number for sale here in the future. And we've taken on a couple of leases to, you know, keep the cow herd numbers where, where we want them to be during the drought. And it's, it's been difficult, but we've, you know, we've been able to grow and, and to hang on to that growth. Logan, I can hear some people say you've just spent a bunch of time putting a lot of time and effort into building a cow that you want, and now you're going to sell her. Isn't that kind of painful? You know, uh, it, it could be, we're, we're going to save the herd. We save, you know, we do, we will, st- we're only going to sell about half the herd and we're going to sell the good half and, and we're going to rebuild it from there. And I personally, I'm a, you know, I, I like steers and I like buying steers and I like margin business in a falling market because I, it's just a little easier to, to come out economically on top. So for me, it is purely a financial decision. I know that a lot of people don't manage their cow herds as a, you know, as a finance, purely financial uh, play, but I'm kind of forced to do it. I, I've got bills to pay. Uh, I've got, I've got a bunch of, I've got a bunch of bills to pay. So I, yeah, I would love to keep the cows, but economically the, I think the, the writing's on the wall as to what, you know, is going to happen to cow values going forward. Anything else, Logan, you think producers should know and understand about this kind of management strategy as we point towards wrapping up? Yeah. um, And you kind of hit on it right before we jumped on the, you know, if you're getting into the cattle industry right now, you can, you can protect, you can buy a steer or a heifer and, and, and protect her with an LRP, you know, subsidized LRP, you can go and hedge it in and, and you can offer protection. And, you know, for, for cows, you really don't have that, that option. And and so it ownership of cows is, is a riskier asset class than most people realize. And, and it's over 10 years, it's a very low return. And, just be careful going out and, you know, owning cows as an asset class. It, it, uh, it's a historically low return asset class and the depreciation could just, can just eat you. So just be careful. Uh, margin businesses, uh, such as stalker businesses that, you know, you can, you can go up and you can go down and you can protect yourself and take on more risk when you want and offer maybe a little bit better opportunity for, for younger producers that would be listening to this podcast, looking for opportunities in, in the cattle industry. Well, Logan, thanks for your time today. Appreciate you sharing what you're doing with your operation there and I think giving a little different perspective on thinking about the asset class of a cow herd. Yep. Thanks for having me on, Aaron. But for more information on the topic that was discussed in today's Beef Watch podcast, I would encourage you to visit the beef.unl.edu website. At the website, you can find the article we discussed today. If you'd like to learn more about the Wineglass Ranch, you can find them on the web. They do have a website.